Happy New Year's season! Hello all and welcome to edition 107 of On The Ball, the Norwich City podcast that only ended its months of lying face down in sand about 20 minutes ago. I'm Michael Bailey, I cover the Canaries for The Athletic and I hope this finds you safe and well, renewed and ready because we go again. On the way, the Championship Challenge ins and outs and shaking abouts and morrow bound and Wigan wait. We will work through all that and more on our opening podcast of the season with our guests this fine evening. They are Norwich number one chief at NCFC numbers, also known as our very own Steve Sanders. Hi, Michael. Happy new season, everybody. Indeed. We have the author of the official history of Norwich City and purveyor of fine jumpers, Zoe Morgan. Hi, Michael. I have to say, uh, watching you in front of the nation, desperately trying to put your finger on what you really needed just then has really sort of taken me back to Norwich, Norwich's season last season. So, uh, yeah. yeah, thanks for the reminder. One for the one for the video uh, viewers. Um, <laughs> I think you should leave it in the podcast. Perfect <laughs> analogy of a lot of things. Um, and uh, also joining us, last but by absolutely no means least, it's our Scottish maestro, commentator, journalist, journalist, and official AM Brew pronunciation adjudicator. It's Hodgie the Hack, aka Stuart Hodge. Hello, how are we? Um, I know, good to be back, mate. Um, kind of weird because like, we actually saw each other at the weekend, so I kind of feel I feel like we've caught up. But now we're doing it, and everybody else can join in, so that's great. It's the way to do it. And also, your your um your intro has grown in length. How is the how is the Iron Brew pronunciation? Uh, Mediocre at best. Okay, fair enough. Um, it's better than the rest of my Scottish accent, in fairness. Um, thanks for joining us, guys. Thanks to everyone out there listening and uh, watching. Um, how are we all? It's been it's been a long time, Steve. How are you? How have you summered? Very well. Has it been a long time? It feels like it hasn't been a long time. <laughs> not, no, it's not great to be back and good to see you. It's, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think it always takes me a while in the summer to, um, I think, just care about football. And I'm getting to that point around about now. I think having watched the two friendlies over the weekend, I've come away feeling like, my God, I can't wait to see more of this uh, over the over the coming season. So maybe that's what did it. Um, I, I mean, I didn't see many people tweet that over the course of the weekend, I must admit, but I'm glad no, you're feeling it. Yeah, perhaps perhaps I've... Like, sorry, it was the opposite of that that I thought. <laughs> but no, I think, like, by and large, I, I can't wait to be back in the Championship. Like, but, but by the way, right, you, considering the intro and the way that you just completely rolled back in your opinion there, are we in some sort of Conservative Party meeting here? Like, <laughs> <laughs> flip-flopping and all sorts going on. Uh, Liz Trust follows me on Twitter. That's all I've got. Um, she? Yeah, I know, right? Um, Zoe, how are you with that bombshell? How, how are you? <laughs> I am good, thank you, Michael. I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that football is starting again. It feels like we're at least uh, a good six weeks away from when it should be starting again, I'd have thought. <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, I mean, we are starting in July, which I'm, you know, that's my wedding anniversary territory. So it's it's not it's not not a happy situation, but we'll we'll crack on regardless. Um, and Stu, you had obviously a great weekend of it. How are you doing? Eh, a great weekend of it, barring the oh. football, mate. Like, wasn't it that great? I was hoping to commentate a goal. Didn't happen, um, which was a shame because, like, obviously, honour, pleasure, privilege to commentate in Norwich City games. It was wonderful to get the chance to do it again. But I, uh, football wasn't 
wasn't brilliant. But I think most of the Canadian fans that went to Scotland and certainly the ones that I met and, and had a drink with and stuff seemed to have a really good time. So hopefully, even though the football wasn't great, the, the trip to Scotland was, and I hope everyone that went enjoyed Scottish hospitality. Absolutely. I, I think definitely with pre-season, if you're going somewhere, you go for the travel, not for the football. <laughs> the football just goes on in the background. Um and that's the way it is, I, which I suppose is something we should talk about. So in that case, and to that end, let's crack on with our very first of the season headline act. Yes, it's a headline act. We're going to split into two parts, I reckon. We're going to have a chat about the transfer window in a bit because the summer involves huge amounts of deals in and Oh, some deals in a handful of deals in and out. Um, yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that um, in a bit. Also, you know, that is going to be ongoing because the window's not closed yet and neither is the business done. Uh, but before that, we can we can talk about the joys of preseason, the actual football and how much we really want to dig into it. Um, I'll come to you first, if I may, Stu, because um, you did sort of touch on it a bit there. Uh, you know, Norwich were unbeaten in their preseason for all that matters, uh, until they played their double header against Celtic and Hibs at the weekend, where they both lost. For all that matters, or well, they lost both, I should say. Yes. Uh, without scoring a goal, as you mentioned. Um, so the one thing I will I did just to not really have a clear focus point for this, but the one thing I did notice is I saw the club's um, highlights, and I rewatched them this morning, and they made Norwich look very good. I don't remember feeling like that when I actually watched the ninety minutes. <laughs> yeah, there was also a notable absence of a Scottish commentator on it. <laughs> um, I must admit, when I watched both uh, of those, but highlights, it was Scottish. The Hibs game was an Irish chap, so like oh, okay. um, I think I think well, I haven't watched get... that again. I do not need to watch that one again. <laughs> <laughs> the beginnings of a joke there, you know. Um, anyway, I I, I think. I think during the during the Scotland trip, I only caught. I'll admit, I, I, I was only able to watch uh, highlights of the the preseason games prior to coming to Scotland, and then obviously I had the pleasure slash um, arduous task of. <laughs> I mean, the Celtic game was a really good game of football, but the Hibs game had preseason bounce game vibes about it very much. The Celtic game did feel like a tune up for for the real action and very close. To, to what I think the starting 11 will be at Cardiff and I think Dean Smith intimated they already knows or about said actually they already knows what he's what his Cardiff 11 is going to be so it'll be interesting to see what that is I think over the course of it I think Gibbs is probably the one that stood out as for, for me having kind of elevated himself and, and made a bit of a claim uh, in terms of maybe knocking around the or knocking in the first team door I don't think he'll get a lot of reps but maybe in a cup game or something we could see him get an opportunity Jordan Hugo, despite the goals, I still think is lower down the pecking order uh, when it comes to the strikers. I, I wouldn't be surprised about that. But in terms of the actual football itself, the Celtic game was a good game of football. A very good Celtic team got the better of Norwich and deservedly won. The Hibs game was a bounce game. Uh, makeshift back three that turned into a, a back four after the opening goal. And I don't, I don't think you can really read too much into that Hibs game. It was, it was just, it was, it was an exercise really. Uh, but the Celtic game was probably a greater indicator of where Norwich City are. And to be honest, I think the, the key takeaway from that, despite obviously some impressive win, the, the win against Marseille obviously standing out in and, and the pre-season sort of list of games before that, 
I think work to be done is is, is where I'm at. Uh, even if fitness is there and, and sharpness is getting there with the players. In terms of identity, cohesion and, and a distinct playing style, I don't really think I've seen much evidence of, of something that I can like put my hat on and say, that's how Norwich City play yet. I'm waiting for that to be shown to me. And I'm not sure that at the final stages of pre-season you want to still be be saying that. And I think it's obviously part of that. It's obviously due to the fact that, that last season was was a bit of a kind of cataclysmic disaster, let's be honest. So there was no identity really put forth then. And in pre-season, I've not really seen an identity established either. So that's my, my main concern and my main kind of takeaway overall from things so far, Michael. Um, Steve, I'll, I'll throw the question out to you because, I mean, I don't know how much you've seen of it. I mean, it should probably be say you are more than welcome to ask me a question as well because I, I think bar bar the game in, in Germany, I have seen every every minute, not in person necessarily, but I have seen all the rest of pre-season, <laughs> deep exhale, uh, inhale. Um, but yeah, I mean, what have you made of it from from, from your vantage point, Steve? Yeah, well, I'm going to give my opinions, which are based on having watched two games and literally nothing else. So uh, I won't be the baby the best. I mean, I sort of feel like you can never read that much into pre-season anyway. Oh, I always go back to um, the pre-season 2009, where we beat Wigan 3-2. Uh, I think we were 2-0 down. Wigan, Wigan at the time were a Premier League club. We were in League One. Uh, we came back from three uh, from 2-0 down to win 3-2. Simon Whaley scored the winner in that game, and we looked brilliant in the second half. And then, of course, we go and lose 7-1 to Colchester the very next game. So, I mean, obviously, that's an extreme example. But um, I didn't really think either game... At the weekend was a particularly good test because I don't think we're going to come up against many teams that play the way that Celtic do, which kind of forced us to play on the counter more than I would think we would want to against teams who we're kind of supposedly stronger than. I don't know if that is the way we're going to play this season, but you know that's not how we. That's not the way Cardiff are going to play. They're not going to play out from the back on Saturday. So the Hibs game would have seemed more like the kind of test we might get there, even though they're arguably weaker than Cardiff. Um, and yet in that match, we played most of the kids. So, um, and kind of, I think we played three different formations across the, at least three different formations across the three games. We started 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, I think we finished, we certainly finished with four at the back. Celtic was more of a 4-1-4-1. Four, one, four, one. So it doesn't really give me many clues as to how we're going to line up or the way we're going to line up on Saturday. Um And I'm hoping that all of that means that we haven't really seen the real Norwich yet. Um and that that's coming on Saturday. What I was going to ask you, though, Michael, is do we know why? Because is it a Dean Smith thing? that He likes to play his final two friendlies on consecutive days. Like, what's the benefit of that? Because I couldn't really see why we did that. Yeah, it is, actually. And I, I hosted um, I hosted an evening with Dean Smith and uh, Craig Shakespeare for the Fan Social Club last week, which was a, a pleasure as well. And um, I asked him about that, too. It's something he's done at, he, over the last several pre-seasons so Villa and I think before that as well he just likes the last weekend to be well, I think one year they played RB Salzburg like twice in two days so they literally played the same team tw- against the same team twice pretty much I, I, um, by all accounts it's because he likes the players as many players as possible to have 90 minutes so I suppose if you go into the last friendly knowing what your 11 is you could play them but then the subs are only going to come on and get a few minutes maybe. So the idea is that you are generally giving your entire group of players um, that 90 minutes or as close to. Um, 
it was interesting because for me, I, I expected the two teams to be quite mixed up and I kind of almost assumed they were. But as soon as Dean Smith admitted that uh, Dimitri Yanoulis was ill and therefore didn't play against Celtic, I was like, all right. So essentially, he probably does start and that is probably pretty close to your 11 for for Cardiff, I imagine. I'm not quite sure how that formation works, um, whether that might get tweaked. Um, but actually, there's probably not many more who would come in anyway, really, I don't think. So um, I think maybe he has sort of offered up what that will look like. Uh, and if it was that 11 against Celtic, Zoe, would you would you be suitably excited about the prospect of Norwich going to Cardiff and showing what they're all about? Of course, I think we've got to be excited. I think that it's it would be a shame not to be excited when we've not they've not even had the chance to let us all down uh, <laughs> by this no, stage. Exactly right. <laughs> well said. Um, I, you know, you've, we know what most of that sort of core group of players can do when they're in a competitive environment. I think you know that there's not huge amounts to worry about there. Um, and I'm very much in the NCFC numbers camp of a no good Great comes campaign. from, yeah, exactly. No, no good comes from uh, not losing at all in preseason. Only bad things can come out of that. It's like having a good dress rehearsal uh, when you're doing a stage show, I think. Um, so yeah, there's nothing, you know, I, I really don't like to read too much into preseason. There's a it's always interesting to see maybe which of the fringe players do seem to play more of a part than you might have thought. Um, Onel's resurgence, I think, has pleased me greatly. And the possibility that Onel could play a reasonable part in the season ahead is, um, I think, just sort of the little boost that we kind of need in terms of we've lost some big characters over the last few years. And um, and having someone like Onel, who we know, you know, is a little bit chaotic um loves the club um will bring something a little bit different i think i think that's nice and reassuring for for everybody um and i guess it's also the youth players um as well who you know might not get huge amounts of games but it it's interesting to see which ones are sort of i guess at the top of the pecking order we kind of finished the last season's hellish struggle with kind of row and spring it um Kind of leading the way, but do uh, I'll ask you, Michael? Do you think that that's changed uh, since since the end of last season? Do we think that Rowe and Springer have been overtaken by some of the other younger players? Well, I think um, Springer hasn't been involved recently because I think he rolled his ankle, so I think he picked up an that's injury. Right. So he's had a, he's been a bit short of opportunities. Um, I, John John Jonathan Rowe is an interesting one because I think he was um, he was easy enough to grab a hold of as an in, as an exciting prospect last season because everything around him, same with Tony Springer, really, everything around him was so dire that it was like, oh, look at this one running around, which is like the bare <laughs> minimum. Oh, Tony Springer's won a corner within 60 seconds of his debut. He's brilliant. So I think, um, I don't think either of them looked really, really ready. And the, and the fact that John Rowe didn't make a start, I think was quite telling as well. Um so I just think they are where they are. They're probably in a bit of limbo because they're probably a, they don't probably don't really want to loan them out at the moment. But I could see that being a prospect if they haven't played much come January and the squad is ticking along nicely. Um, but yeah, you're right about the young. It was really interesting watching the youngsters because I thought, especially in the Hibs game, you could see the ones who looked like they were they weren't ready yet. Um, yeah, they did okay, and and it was obviously not. It was a it was a friendly, but you could tell that. 
they were so say you had um lewis shipley and then bradley hills come in and, and did ably well but you could tell that they were just trying to feel their way into a first team game um whereas i have to say jonathan tomkinson i think has looked looked really good really totally good totally um and also liam gibbs uh, i think most norwich fans who've seen him have just thought Woof. and you know I, in norwich we'll talk about the transfer window in a moment norwich are looking to bring someone else in in the midfield option and you know when the other two are both fit then you don't see any room for liam gibbs but he's certainly looked able to play at an efl level as far as i'm concerned already um and that's pretty good because he's pretty young. So it's really good to see those opportunities because I think players can shine. But I do remember watching Paul Dalgleish look really good in a preseason friendly once. <laughs> and uh, and I've seen lots of things in preseason friendlies, <laughs> as we all have. And what Seriously. I find, I was just going to say, what I find, Stu, is that you um you can't really read anything into it, but you just sort of store up everything you've watched. And then you can decide once the competitive action starts that it was either foreboding during pre-season or it was you know irrelevant and and didn't matter and you do use hindsight but i think that's okay because it's not competitive so it's really hard to to judge it so i sometimes think back to james madison's emergence on this the season i did the club coventry was 16 17 there was a pre-season friendly against coventry where madison was absolutely brilliant and you saw this showcase of what was to come but it didn't come that season it came later Came in Daniel Farkas' first season where he absolutely lit the place up and was 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 obviously wonderful. So that extra year away um, where he was in loan at Aberdeen was really good for him and it, it really did it really did help him that that short loan spell to to, to get him to the the level of first team readiness. But on the on the subject of the youngsters generally, one of the concerns for me in the Hibs game, and you could argue that it was a lack of sort of playing through the midfield or whatever. But you had a front three there that should have been capable of creating chances, hurting Hibernian. And I thought it was a good chance for Jordan Hugo, who, don't get me wrong, he's done himself no harm in pre-season. But Adam Ida and John Rowe, you've got the three of those guys. They're talented players. They're players that, with all due respect to Hibernian, should be able to hurt a team like that. And I think it's concerning that the I didn't really see that much from any of them in terms of sparkle, in terms of... Uh, attacking thrust that 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 really tells me that that they're going to hit the ground running. But as we, I mean, we're all giving it the, mm-hmm. the big mitigating disclaimer. Don't read into preseason, but yeah, I would have been encouraged to see one of them like sort of look a bit more sprightly or a goal. I mean, definitely from a personal perspective, I'm gutted that I didn't get to commentate a goal. <laughs> you know, so. That, that, next, that next, time, next time, next time, next time, next time. I'm the bad luck charm. That's it. Oh, mm. as soon as you get Hodgie back in the mic, the team's not, not playing. No, maybe Scotland's true. just really. Maybe the standard of football there is actually really good, and we just never realised how good it is. Celtic are good. I think they showed how good they are. But yeah, I think yeah. um, you know, I, I I envisage seeing a Hibs-esque performance on the road from a few Championship teams this year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's interesting what you were saying there, Stu, because um, when Madison did break through it owed quite a lot to Alex Pritchard getting injured in pre-season at Cambridge um, to a degree. Um, and on the Hibs game, I thought, uh, I mean, Jordan Hugel has has looked pretty confident in a lot of games, so that's good for him. Adamida's still working his way back from his injury, and I think it still looks a little bit like that. Um, but of course, he's going to have to try and find some game time in, in actual competitive matches from here. Um, that probably moves us on nicely to the transfer window, which we are well into um fascinating obviously how things have panned out so far um a, a few loans out 
I don't think any have been particularly surprising. Seamus uh, Poeta to Birmingham seems to have already caught the imagination of Norwich fans who do like to ridicule him, which, <laughs> as, as I've said at the time, he's one of about two Norwich players that is likely to go to Qatar. <laughs> so just, just bear that in mind. But um, uh, yeah, we also had Christoph Zimmerman's time at Norwich coming to an end in a very emotional video that I've only got 20 minutes into yet, so I'm quite finished. Um, but 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 bless Christoph. So we could maybe talk about him as well before we get stuck into the uh, into the incomings, Steve. I mean, um, sad to see Christoph go. I was sad to see that video. My God, absolutely <laughs> choking up. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think. I think it's probably fair to say that he's not going to feature a great deal. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves by talking about the incomings, but I think I'm surprised at how much of the squad from last year are still here. And I think they did need to, for want of a better word, jettison some of the players who we kind of know are going to be on the fringes and might not step up. Um, and I think Zimmerman is one of those. That said, he, he kind of leaves a, uh, you know, he's a bit of a Norwich legend, really. Like um, that, I think, like that, that the end of that eighteen nineteen season where he was at the heart of our defence that didn't lose any of the last fourteen games, we kind of absolutely cantered to the title. He was so good, like he was so good at that point. He captained us um, in the absence of Closer and Teti in the starting lineup. Really stepped up, and I think. I think, you know, when we signed him, he was somebody who said he was looking forward to slide tackles and was looking forward to like, you know, you just, you knew he was going to be one of those that would head every ball, but great on the ball as well. Like seems to have a real kind of leadership element about him. Obviously people know he used to teach, be a teacher and that kind of thing. So that probably goes along with that. Um, and just seems like a great bloke as well. So one of those who's left on really good terms and I will only be remembered fondly, I think. I mean, I I don't want to be harsh here. So, you know, slap Ooh. me around the face digitally. <laughs> like, I have to say, Christoph is an unbelievable person. For every time I've spoken to him, you know, good as gold. He's not, he's not your typical footballer. He will come and have a conversation with you. He's so grounded. He's just a real human being, like absolute lovely, lovely guy. Um, and you just want to have, you'd want to have a meal with him. And he seems, he just seems absolutely <laughs> top class. And Again, you know, the, the impact and, and the way he got it here, top class as well from working with the community and all that sort of stuff. You know, the first two seasons, he was integral to what Norwich were trying to build and do. And I think he would have been much more important in, the, in that first Premier League season, but for some ill-timed injuries. And from that point on, he was kind of really unfortunate. And in truth, only really played a minor role in what Norwich did after that. So, I mean, I guess... It, I sort of recoil a bit at the idea of him being sort of considered a, a legend because it's such a refined and small really? part. It, it, it can't, well, it's, but I think, oh, I think the word legend gets banned at about three. <laughs> but I mean, I do kind of, I, I wouldn't, you know, in my time of following this club so long, I wouldn't regard that again, shoot me down. I mean, he's a two-time championship winner and he's played in the Premier League. So he's played in the top flight. So not many Norwich players have necessarily done that, but I would just recoil at calling him a legend. Whereas I can understand, and I say this as someone who loves him as a person and I get it, but it, I don't know. So Zoe, I'm going to ask you. Um, I think I know what you're saying. I think actually, even a few years on, I, I think that whole team in 1819 will go down as Norwich legends. Like you, you think of them as a collective and he's really 
completely symbolic of that team in terms of, you know, a lot of them probably shouldn't have been that good. That, that team, you know, that there's a lot of people maybe at an interesting stage of their career, whether they were very young or like him had, you know, had thought about quitting football not long before or, you know, like Tribal had been kind of picked up at a difficult stage in his t- career. I think that that whole team, they'll be the sort of team that we can name in 20 years' time. You could you could name that starting eleven against Leeds or, you know, we'll be able to name all of them. And I think as part of that, he's, you know, he was an absolutely massive part of that. And, and I think for that reason, I think it's fair to call him a legend. I probably my favourite Zimbo moment, if I could share, <laughs> is probably Jeez. is probably from that 18-19 season. And it was the first game where I thought, oh my God, we might actually be good, uh, which was um, we were at Hillsborough and we beat Sheffield Wednesday 4-0. And I've seen us lose so many times at Hillsborough that it was just that sort of feeling of, you know, when you, you have that feeling of like, what's going on? This is like, I'm feeling happy, but I wasn't expecting to feel happy. And we went top of the league, I think, that day. Yeah. Um, and I think it was during the second half, potentially towards the start of the second half, Leitner, I think a, a decision went against him and, and Leitner maybe got booked, but sort of lost it a little bit and started going a bit wild and was screaming at referee and you know was all over the place and you thought oh god he's gonna something's gonna happen here and I I remember Zimmerman went over to him and he grabbed him both sides of his head and just uh, with his face really close to Lightner's face just started screaming at him um (laughs) and it was quite stirring in in many ways I would say um but it was just and, and Lightner completely shut up after that he just completely you know he listened to him he stopped. He just carried on playing. We absolutely stormed the game and we went top of the league. And I think that kind of, that sort of fierceness on the pitch, which was so sort of counterbalanced by who he actually was as a person and off the pitch, you know, this wonderful sort of sweet natured, lovely guy um, who's just capable of just like tearing everybody apart sort of vocally on the pitch. I just thought that, you know, that was that was a mark of who that sort of player that he was that, you know, he's just so committed to to winning and doing his best. Um, so that's, I think, what will stick with me with Zimbo. On the Zimbo thing, the key thing for me is, was he the first of the so many Germans? Yeah, he was. I think he was, yeah. Was Daniel Farker's first signing as fourth uh, choice centre-back. Well, there, there you go, right? So he was the guy that Farker brought in, obviously, Borussia Dortmund 2 connection. He was the culture setter. He was the guy. He was Farker's lieutenant in the dressing room. And Daniel Farker's era is going to be remembered as one of the best and most successful Norwich City managerial tenures that there has been. And he was the main man and of the Germans, so many Germans, first in, last out. I think that for me, I would say that will go down in the stuff of legend. Yeah, just just last word on Zimbo before we move on. And I'm going to use my new powers to elevate oh. comments. But Chris Beals Lacey says, Zimmerman was the player that truly showed what the German takeover was all about and so, showed someone that bought into the city and the club. And I think that kind of sums up really, to me, as as the other two have said, really, he was kind of symbolic of the Farker era. Whether he was the best centre-back we've ever seen, maybe not. But I, I do think like he, he just felt like Farker's man and... Uh, Everyone remembers that era fondly, don't they? So you know, it's true. But you know what? I'm happy. I'm 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 happy with that. And I do think that 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 team and that era will be will be uh, long regarded as one of the great Norwich City teams. I think that's true. And to be honest, 
I think it was a better team than last season. <laughs> so there we go. Um, uh, let's talk about the ins then, shall we? We have made two signings, everyone. Oh, we always sign injured players. I mean, that's not true. We don't always sign. That wasn't the problem last year, was it? <laughs> last summer, the problem wasn't they were all injured when they signed. Um, uh, but this time they do happen to have been injured in Isaac Hayden's case after he signed um, because he did get four training sessions in and reliably informed he was not injured and their medical was all fine, um, but then got injured, obviously. So he's had uh, a minor minor knee surgery. He will be back in the early stages of the season. Yeah, I don't know why <laughs> Before the World and, Cup starts. <laughs> yeah, this year. Um, and then, of course, we have Gabriel Zara. Zara. <laughs> we had a lot of <laughs> conversations about how to pronounce this. Uh, Gabriel Zara. That's how I'm saying it. Um, who has arrived from Brazil and uh, is very mysterious. <laughs> um, you know, before anyone asks, that we know they're trying to sign someone else. It's going to be a midfielder. It's going to be from outside the UK. Um I don't know how they're going to pay for it because the budget's all gone. We'll worry about that later. Um, and they might look, I think, for someone else, maybe another forward option. So we will see as in a, a like a winger kind of forward option. Um, maybe. We'll see. Um, so that's how I see all that. Um, oh, I mean, Steve, we're excited about our new comings. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that we've only signed two players, I must say. I am quite surprised. I know they have a bloated squad. Um, and you look at the squad as it is and you kind of think doesn't need a whole lot of work. Um, but I think to me, I felt like we needed a reset after the 1920 season and got one um, and that helped. And I, I'm, a, I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that we've not done a bit more of that, moved a few more on. And also, of course, it's not Dean Smith's team. So, you know, I mean, we've still got some of the window left. And um, as you say, think with those two additions we will have a squad uh, you know without too many weak areas or that could withstand a few injuries but for Dean Smith what we now well on the cusp of the new season he'll have been here for one and a half windows and only brought two players in um yeah I, I just think for a team that didn't do that well last season you probably could have done with a few more arrivals but that's not to say that the quality of the squad isn't good enough because we know you know, I think I was having a think about it earlier and I think there's nine players in this squad that have been promoted to the Premier League twice. So that's not the issue. I just think that, you you know, you think of the new players, the new blood that we got in two years ago, I suppose chief among those players being Ollie Skip, but also someone like Jordan Hugill, who probably had a big impact on the dressing room. I just wonder if it could have done with that refresh. I may be proved completely wrong, but um, I would have liked to have seen more. But then... You know, the issue previously has been quantity over quality when we've gone up to the Premier League. So maybe this new approach would be the right one. Maybe it will. Although, I mean, the last time did work um, in terms of getting back up nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of the of the, of the the guys coming in, um, there is a piece on both of them on The Athletic. Obviously, you have to plug that. You know, there's, there's one on Isaac Hayden. There's one on Gabriel Shara. I was getting there, Stu. I was getting there. I was oh, going to say, catch um, catch Stu's <laughs> the Hack podcast. It's a really good one with Juan Arango. Yeah, that's right. Um, he knows a lot more about Gabriel Sara than any of us. And funnily enough, had commented a Sao Paulo game the night before I spoke to him. So right across all Brazilian stuff. Knows the player well. And um, gave it a really balanced account, like why, why it could be good and, and what to worry about. 
So a bit of both. No, no hyperbole. More, more just considered comment. I would say. I'll never catch on. <laughs> I, I, um, I don't know. And coming to my podcast and doing that. Come on. <laughs> uh, what do you make of it then, Stu? I mean, what what are the bits that you take away that you know when? Gabriel starts playing, you're going to be looking out for. Because in in truth, and this is a surprise to me, obviously, he was injured. He'd been injured since April, I think, or the current right. now, so around then. Um, you know, he, he was expected to probably be back playing before or by the end of August, whereas we now know he's going to, well, he started training with his teammates today. That was certainly the plan, Monday. Um, and no one's ruling out consideration for him being involved in the squad for Cardiff. So unlike the sort of Emi Buendia from Spain, let's bed him in over a period of time while he works out the intensity of the game. I mean, Gabriel's going to be straight in. Although, to, to add, he does, it's not about pre-season because the Brazilian league has been playing all year. So yeah. it's not like he's missed out on a pre-season. He's just been injured. So he will be fit once he's there, I'm sure. In a way, it's a kind of weird one. If there wasn't the World Cup in the middle giving a rest to everyone anyway, it might kind of play in Norwich's favour that he'd had a layoff under normal circumstances because it would avoid the situation. Celtic have seen it. We obviously saw some of their Japanese players at the weekend. They had a lot of them. They played basically 18 months continuously of football and were looking jaded towards the end of last season. You could probably have had something similar with Sarah. As I say, well, the World Cup not like shoehorned into the middle. This is going to be such a weird season. It's going to be two half seasons sort of joined into one. Um, random point on that, just quickly. Dean Smith's work with Aston Villa when the COVID break happened, he transformed them from relegation fodder to a team that was able to compete. So if he can take advantage, um, this is obviously a lot of people are are, are kind of reacting to preseason right now, but um, assuming he's still in the job and all that, uh, come the World Cup and beyond. Um, if Dean Smith's there, if he can take advantage of that break as well as he did with Aston Villa, I think that could bode really well for Norwich City this season. Um, but on Sarah, first thing I want to say is I love the guy's physique. Like, we see when I see him in pictures. Now, that shirt, that shirt is awesome anyway. But love this. Like, the, the shoulders, man. What a set of shoulders hey, that is. Right. Good set of sh- I hadn't noticed the there shoulders. Oh, look at Gabriel Sara's shoulders, man. They are a thing of beauty. And unless somebody's been photoshopping that stuff, which I can't imagine you would do. Right? Well, you can see that through through the kit. You can see how nice his shoulders are. Oh, no, no, no. Like, maybe the kit's accentuating it, right? Oh, okay. But, like, the, sho- oh, the shoulders are beautiful, man. Uh, like, and I'm not into like, weightlifting. Definitely not watching weightlifting. And certainly you wouldn't find me in a gym. But, like, I'd probably watch Gabriel Sara do some reps, man. Like, really good set of shoulders on him. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really impressed with, like, how he looks physically. And I think... <laughs> I'm getting that impression, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really impressed. <laughs> and if he can get fit and, and get up to speed fairly quickly, and the key thing for me is if he can, ad- <laughs> if he can adapt... <laughs> keep going, keep going. If he, if he can adapt to the, the pace of the game... That's going to be the key for him, I think. If you can quickly adapt to that, you can look at some of his highlights. Obviously, YouTube can be deceptive with players, but some, he does have a bit of magic about him. And the key thing for me was, I wasn't sure if he was a 10 or an 8. If you look at his graph on the, the transfer mark <laughs> website, he's played in every position, like just with the exception of centre-back and up front, I think, and goalkeeper. But it seems like he's a number 8. And I think Norwich City needed a quality addition in that position coming into this season. We saw Kenny McLean uh, in the game against Celtic deployed in a deeper role. be interesting to see if he does more of that. 
this season in midfield. And if Sarah can come in, make that number eight jersey zone and provide some inspiration for that position, especially if we go with a 4-1-4-1 formation, which I think will be the first-choice system for Dean Smith, at least to start the season, uh, then, I I mean, Sarah could be a really, really good signing. And I think we all know what Isaac Hayden's capable of, don't we, really? Yeah, I think he will be be class when he comes in. Let's just hope Gabrielle can shoulder the responsibility (laughs) and expectation. I was going to say it sounds like Hodgie's made Sarah uh, a 10, to be honest. Perfect 10 for Hodgie, definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 10! Hey, where's that 12? Well, uh, if, only, if only we had someone he clipping should. out the podcast to, to, share, to share it around, I think we'd have probably, we, we'd go viral, I think, with, with that um, talk of, of do Gabriel's. We, do we have anything for John Cohen on potential Sarah chance? I mean, I can't see his name without thinking of Kesara, yeah. But, um, I don't. Kesara, well. whatever will be, will be. He's got wonderful shoulders. <laughs> Real Sarah. There we go. We're done. Right done. Do I already? I already seem weary. We're only halfway through the whole first podcast season, such yet. Yeah, you do. Your your singing game. Uh, you know, it's it's been better, Michael. It's it's right. it's do you know what though? That was a good impression earlier on, Michael. I I want to see more. Of, not the Scottish one, but the other impressions. I want to see more of that this season. That's one thing that I'm going oh. to request right now. More Michael Bailey impressions. Uh, Harvey Monk oh. says, "Yes, we do. It's the same as the Richarlison chant." Got booing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the Richarlison. Don't Charlie. throw that flare at me. Um, <laughs> no, I, it, uh, it's the he's Brazilian one, I think, oh, to yeah. the tune he's of um, Brazilian. She's electric. She's electric. He cost about eleven million. Yes, he's got gorgeous shoulders. <laughs> it's Gabriel. So, I think that's oh, great, oh, Michael. Oh, sorry, thank you. That. As long as it's got the word shoulders in. We're all there, to be honest. Um, is it right? Uh, just to wrap up the window, then we, we, uh, uh, there are probably some questions, but we'll, 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 we can skip through those because we're, we're, time is pressing already. We're just having too much fun. Um, is it who? Who are we surprised is still here? I mean, we talked about the refresh, and is, is it just mm. Max? Mm-hmm. Poor Max. I feel so sorry for him. Are we holding him hostage? <laughs> <laughs> well, he seems happy enough when he's on the pitch. I know. I know. He doesn't. He, does, he never seems happy when he's on the pitch. So no, that's that's, that's not true. I get that wee face, doesn't he? Like yeah, I like that about Max. That's one aspect of his character I really enjoy. Don't mess with Max. He's he's tough. I think he's tough. Um, he's a, he's a bit grumpy. Bless him. But he really did like change him. his agent, so I'm with you, Zoe. I, I'm surprised there wasn't a bit more. Uh, in terms of at least speculation because it's gone quiet as well well it has been relatively quiet that's the thing and um it's you know it's a tricky one to see what where that goes now uh there was a recent link to everton but i don't think they've got much money so uh maybe it depends uh, and also now that norwich have let barley mumba go out to me yeah. that was an admission yeah. that max isn't going anywhere and i think yeah. dean smith actually said as much the other I'm day i'm surprised um, rashid's are still here as well i um, I, I, yeah. thought, I i mean I, I still think he will go i still think a, a team will look at him see a player in the championship that probably doesn't want to be there and um test us towards the end of the window but um i i wouldn't have said at the end of last season that he would still be here no on, on that basis is that like if we don't add a winger Right, you've obviously intimated that could happen, Michael. I think we're really light in that department if Milo Rashica goes because it seems like Dean Smith's preferred thing is to have on the right hand side uh, more of a kind of wide target man type sergeant or if you play either there and then an inverted winger on the left hand side. So if Rashica goes, 
Well, you've still got Cornell. Cantwell, Onel, and Jonathan Rowe. That doesn't seem too bad. Sports to me. Cantwell, yeah. But he, Sergeant is playing out there as well. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um. Yeah. I, I think if Milot left, um, then I would expect someone to come in. In all honesty, I don't know what level they would be at. Um. But yeah, Milot is probably your prime example of until the window closes, you just don't know if something's going to pop up, I would personally say. There's a couple of questions as well here. Stephen Stibbons, are we still expecting Teemu Pukki to leave? Um, very interesting for me that Dean Smith just said, no, certainly he will be here next season. That's that. And at that point, you're like, okay, I don't think Norwich would entertain a bid, to be honest. Um, so I don't think it's up to Teemu. It's <laughs> probably the way to put that. Um, let's just hope he... He looks his usual self and someone gives him some freaking chances. Um, that would be nice. Uh, and, and another little one, probably based on the who do we think might not be here, who is still here, Nick Dye. Who needs each other more right now, Norwich or Todd? Um, that's a good Todd, question. Todd Cantwell. Needs, needs us more? Yes. I think probably I would just about agree with that, actually. I think, we, I think they need each other quite a lot. Uh, and I think... I'd be talking about yeah, it's just nice, isn't it? Um, but um, talking about not reading too much into preseason, I think the one positive you can take out, we can take out of preseason, is that he looks he looks back at it again and looks interested again and looks fit again. Um, and I engaged. think that is uh, yeah, it, yeah, the key word I think engaged. And I think that's going to be so it could be so key for us. I mean, I feel like we talk about this every single season, like it's going to be a big season for Todd. We really need him this year. And, you know, something usually goes wrong in the first few weeks, but um, I think we really do need him this year. I, th- I think, yeah, for me, that that's the one I will judge once we're a few weeks into the season, mm. to be honest. We'll, we'll see how we get on. He seems to have befriended McCallum. Lots of the pictures of and sort of bits from pre-season she seems to show those two together. And I'm hoping that maybe he's got a friend and uh, he's a bit he's a bit happier. Sam, <laughs> Just anything to make him a bit happier. Sam McCallum is a lovely boy. So, you know, if I was Todd Cantwell's dad, which I don't think I'm old. Oh, no, I am mm. old enough to be his dad. Um, I would be like, you know what, Sam's a lovely friend. Well done, Todd. That's what I would say. That would be my fatherly advice. Oh, my God, I'm <laughs> old enough to be Todd Cantwell. That's a revelation I didn't need tonight. Um <laughs> Grand. Well, I tell you what, we've done pretty well. I think we've covered everything off. We'll get to speak about the window more because we've got weeks of it yet. <laughs> so that's exciting. Um, just before we wrap up this half of the pod, which isn't a half because we've been going a long time already, um, things we are not going to talk about. I did have Todd being back in my list. Uh, quality of the kits. I'm not going to talk about how wonderful the... I mean, is anyone not like either kit? I think I think everyone likes it, yeah. don't Both kits, which is unheard Both of. beautiful, which Universal. does pose the does pose the question, what's the third kit going to be like? Oh, I hope it's rank. I hope they make a really <laughs> bad one. That's what I'd like to see. What's the uh, worst third kit we've ever had? I mean, I like the one, well, I say I liked, as in it was the worst, um, the, the, with the sort of yellow, orange and black hoops, where yeah, I was really gonna... said that the hoops stood for community. And uh, uh, Yusuf <laughs> Malumbu wore it. So yeah. it all the total package of a, of a kit. <laughs> See the one that was like it looked like a. You remember you used to get snow on a TV, like when you were trying to tune it in, you'd batter the top of it. It was like that, but it was like pink and uh, kind of white and and green. Was it like it was just horrible? I remember we wore it at Burton Albion away and got beat. I think it was oh, the yeah, only I time I remember well, that was the purple. That was just a yeah, just a rank purple one. 
No, no, no. I'm talking about the one the other the other season where maybe I've got the wrong game, but it was yeah, it was like a basically like black a, and like sludged. On a TV. Yeah. Aye. Black and but, sludged. Lost a Luton in that one. Aye. With pink neon pinks and purple dashes on it. That's maybe um yeah. maybe they should cut the shoulders out of our third kit just to really accentuate Sarah's oh best God. features, you know. Just, top. Just, yeah. just skins. Top. We could play in skins as our third kit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, things have happened. I, I have a theory that good kit equals good season with Norwich City. Unless Do you? I don't know if it's one of those like self-perpetuating things because you remember the kit being good because the season was good. But like our eighteen nineteen kit home kit with the little triangles on the shoulder, love that. No, you didn't I like see. it? I didn't like that home kit. No, you didn't. Uh, the, the season means you like it. I always. I, I, it's like I, a I Formula One car. Mm, Formula One but, cars yeah. are very good if they're fast. Um, <laughs> It's like when we, we, you know, we went for a, through about a 10-year patch of never winning away uh, during the sort of late 90s, early 2000s. Everyone remembers the away kits during that time as terrible because we used to lose in them every single time we played in them. <laughs> I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Not like last season's. Um uh, also on my list, Anglian Home Improvements are the new Barclays stand uh, sponsors. Don't, you know, no need to have a go at them for having a dark navy blue sign really i think we could probably get more like no one complained when coral was up there did they really but um mm-hmm. good plug for them yeah. just there though i know yeah i don't know Hashtag I, I ad. won't be anything <laughs> for all that, your I best think. home improvements that's <laughs> <laughs> true uh, anything anyone else doesn't want to talk about christos cholis oh yeah uh, that's another uh, out Oh gosh, I, that's my big out. No, but maybe that sums it up. I know, but since we didn't talk about it, then we're not going to talk about it. But I, I still think there's a player there. I think it looks like there would have to be somewhat of a regime change managerially for him to get another chance here. It just looks like I don't think Dean Smith fancies him. But just, I mean, if you're going to ship him out on loan, um, and but the the clips of the player that I saw, the people I spoke to for Greece seemed to think that there was a, a potential budding superstar there. And I think Daniel Farka, I think one of the biggest mistakes of his entire time uh in in, t- in charge of Norwich City was I, I think he ruined that, that that boy for us maybe. Um <laughs> in fairness, like- I'm 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 glad it's not alone with an option to buy. Um, I don't yeah, think that necessarily means he's definitely going to be here next season. It just means that if he does well, there'll be a, you know some bigger bids. <laughs> we, we, um, we might recoup some of the money we spent on him, and we did spend big on him, but he was the one that I thought we were probably going to get a return on that investment. So if we if we get into a situation where we don't, I, I feel that that's really it's bad mismanagement of the talent. Brilliant. Um, anything else? Um, I was just going to say, I thought, uh, just to quickly go back to kits, the way that they launched the kit, um, I thought on social media was very clever and very well done um, in what's not really been a stellar off-season for the uh, Norwich City social media team 100% of the time, um, uh, you know, throwing paint at things, that sort of thing. Um, I thought they did a really good job on highlighting mental health. I thought it was very cleverly done and kind of... Uh, flipped things a little bit on the people clamoring for the the kits to come out so uh kudos to them for that i have to say the videos uh the stories in the videos are amazing um and they project a, a really important message in terms of people's mental health so i would uh, i would encourage anyone to go and go and watch those videos personally um they're not the easiest watch it must also be said uh right okay 
if we're if we're done with that, shall we have a shall we have a sting? Yeah, we haven't had a sting in fifty seven minutes. <laughs> so um, let's crack on with a sting and uh, and crack on oh with a bit of Motti. This is almost fantasy football. It is almost fantasy football, which we are obviously incredibly used to saying in terms of the championship and Norwich City. Um, will it be the same this time? Oof, who knows? We're going to get some predictions. Uh, if you're watching live, get in some uh, some wacky and crazy predictions. Um, me and Steve will try and keep an eye on those. Uh, there's probably a few in already. I'll try and have a look through. Um, and we've also, uh, let's get straight into this, shall we? Because we, uh, our friends, our, our, our podcast colleagues, it should be said, um, uh, Ryan Livermore and Daniel Brigham have both sent in their predictions for the season. Now, uh, I can play audio uh, live, which is very exciting. So I'm going to launch straight in and hopefully this will work. Uh, let's have a listen to uh, Ryan's predictions that we asked for him, uh, of him, for the season ahead. Hello, Michael, Stu, Steve, Zoe. Hope you guys are good. Um, my predictions for this season, my goodness. Well, I think after a really fast start and an absolutely abysmal winter, I think towards the end of the season, Norwich are going to pick it up and they're going to finish in the playoff places and then get knocked out in the semifinals by someone really unexpected like Hull or Wigan or someone like that. Um, I also think that Norwich's player of the season this year is going to be Daniel Sinani. That's my that's my kind of bold prediction after after pre-season. I think Daniel Sinani is going to end up playing a bigger role this year and will end up being player of the season. And I also think that all of Norwich's strikers, that's Pukki, Hugel, Sargent and Ida, are going to get goal contributions of 10 or more each. Yeah, make of that what you will. I uh, hope you guys are good. hope the pod's going well. Hello, Michael, Stu, Steve, Oh, it's, it's still, Zoe. it plays Hope again. That's are... good to know. I didn't know that. There you go. It goes on a loop. That's exciting. There's probably a button to say, yeah, there is a button to say don't loop. There you go. They're good. Um, uh, well, that worked. Anyway, as a trial, um, craziness, to be honest, from, from, I mean, if all four strikers score more than 10 goals, that's 40 goals just from the strikers. I mean, we're, yeah. 100 we're goals still not going to go up. <laughs> <laughs> still get knocked out by Hull in the playoffs. Um, oh, um, Hodgie, you're on mute. Sorry, mate. Oh, sorry. He said goal contributions. Oh, okay. So goals oh, or assists. So goals or assists. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, could... that probably did happen in 2018-19 with so um, on Onel, Emi, Steeperman and Puki. I think his predictions were pretty much like, I'm going to listen to other in- people's inspiration for player of the season before I come to my own choice, but I love the Sinani suggestion and I'm I'm with him. Can I can I just say, I mean, I, I hate ranking things if they're all really good because it's like, why would you rank them? They're just all really good. Enjoy them. And I also hate making player of the season predictions at the start of the season. But um, Danel Sanani is, I, I was excited about finally getting him to see him play for Norwich because I think there is a player there and um, he's looked like there is a player there. I'm not sure where he, if he's playing in the right place at the moment, but there does look like there's a player there, which is exciting. Um Let's see what uh, Mr. Brigham has got, shall we? Uh, let's launch into some of this. Hello, Michael and gang. Happy season preview podcast day. Uh, so as requested, here are my predictions for the upcoming season. One, I've done 11 of them, by the way. I hope that's not too many. Number one, uh, start with the positive assumption that Gabriel, Sarah and Isaac Hayden will be able to play the majority of games because midfield is obviously crucial. In which case, I think Norwich will win the league in a three-way battle with Middlesbrough and Blackburn Rovers. 
Two, Sunderland won't be the dark horses everyone expects them to be. Three, Russell Martin Swansea to play some lovely football but finish mid-table. Four, Wigan, Preston and uh, Burnley to merge into one club to cut down on us having to travel to the northwest so much. Number five, Timu Puki to look much less sad than last season and be in and around the 30-goal mark again. Six, Todd Cantwell to possibly do a Jamie Curitan and dye his hair green and yellow to prove his love for the club, and he'll hit double figures as well, as will Rashica. Seven, Gabriel Sara to be the fan favourite we've all been craving since Emmy and Skip left. Um, although, um, judging on how I pronounce his name, no one will be able to quite sure how to pronounce his surname, so we'll all end up calling him Gabriel instead. Uh, number eight, the Athletic will get very tired of Michael Bailey asking them again and again to send him on an all-expenses trip to Brazil to do a background piece on Sara. Number nine, Josh Sargent to be sent on loan in January to a team battling to avoid relegation, I'd imagine, probably Rotherham. But good news, number 10, Paul Warren to finally keep Rotherham up and Sargent to become a cult hero there. Uh, and finally, number 11, Omar Bamadeli to be the main beneficiary of our set-piece specialist coach with some thumping headed goals from corners. Uh, and I'm going to predict he'll break the club record for most goals scored by a centre-back. I have no idea what that club record actually is, but I'm sure Steve will be able to tell us. Well, nothing like a challenge at the end there. Um, wonderful predictions there from, from Dan. And we've got it on record now as well, so we can definitely play those all again at the end of the season um, to see how they sound. Someone remind me to do that. Uh, Steve, do you know what the record is? Well, you did kindly give me a sneak listening oh, to that. Look at that. So, <laughs> giving um, everyone a peek behind the curtain. I'm pretty certain that it was Ron Ashman of uh, Record Norwich City Appearance Hall of Fame who I think... I, I can't guarantee because I think he did play up front a little yes. bit. Yeah. Um, uh, but he got 11 and I think 11 goals in one season. I think the majority, and he took penalties as well. And the majority of those uh, appearances, I think, were from centre half. So um, that means Omabamadeli is going to get 12, as well as <laughs> Campbell and Rashica getting double figures and Puki, Ida, Sargent and Hugill all getting double figures for contributions. It's so, a lot of goals. It's a lot of goals coming our way this season, guys. I mean, is, is there anything else left to predict? I mean, you know, let's go for it. Uh, the, the I, stuff I'm, that's going to happen. I like, that, by the way, that Dan let, did three kind of normal predictions and then jumped into, got bored and was like, <laughs> and we'll just amalgamate some clubs in the Northwest. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I mean, you know, Break, breakthrough youngsters. I, I did see someone ask that question in the comments actually about a youngster who's going to break through. I mean, it, mm. it does feel like Andrew Mabamadeli has got it all on his own shoulders. And uh, if he stays fit, he could have a massive season, which I actually think um, kind of puts the pressure on because if Norwich have a, if he has a really good season and Norwich have an average one, um, he's quite clearly such a talented young player. I do kind of fear that, oh, you have now got an asset that you can sell. <laughs> yes. And uh, Norwich might get stuck in a bit of a cycle. That's sort of been bubbling away in the back of my mind for probably a year now. Um, but maybe I'm just a negative ninny. Anyone got anything more positive? This is our preview, after all. Uh, so, are we no doing predictions then? Because I've decided, I've decided that'll be fun. I think we're going to play Alex Neil Sunderland in the playoffs. Oh. I don't know whether it'll be the mm. final... Or no, semi final stage. I'd love that. Alex Neil's no. really Alex Neil's really good at playoffs. Yeah. He won no, them with Hamilton, won them with no, Norwich, won them with Sunderland. No, no. Like 
So, I mean, Steve's like, was, oh, I'd really like that. Uh, <laughs> well up for that. Oh, I mean, the, the the drama and the narrative would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I would say Gabriel Sara, player of the year. Let's go with that because, I mean, you can't argue with, with that upper um, body. I Just to counter <laughs> that, I have down, I mean, you can't, I'm not arguing with the upper body, but I am arguing with the call of player of the season. I've got down here. Sarah, the next Vadis Adidra foe, question mark. Oh, fact, let's take the question mark away. That's my prediction that he wow. will not. I liked him. <laughs> but well, the thing was like mercurial talent, but we didn't really see that much of him. That's that's what I'm. And ultimately, and who then went the to play in the Champions League, by the way? Yeah, you know, who so, left Norwich and played like elite European football? <laughs> it's like, but good, a lot yeah, of players do. It here. Um, like well, Ricky Van Wolfswinkel went to play in the Champions League as well, didn't he? So I reckon Sarah, good player, will do well somewhere else. But G- Gary Hooper went the other way, by the way. Played elite Champions League football, then played for Norwich City. <laughs> Alas, um, Stephen Stibbons comes in with the finish seventeenth, and new manager Paul Warren. Oh, Christ, <laughs> thanks, Stephen. <laughs> Lifting the spirits there like a trooper. Uh, I've not read these, so I'm just putting them up. Uh, Anna Montgomery prediction will be either first or eighth. So it's quite a narrow window um no i get it though it's yeah like, it's it. either going to go really well or really badly yeah. there will be there will be no in between love it no nothing no in between it'll be first or eighth uh hanley to finally get his player of the season after being in the top three three years in a row good yeah i think there. i think all of those are reasonable shouts i do i, I do feel maybe gabriel sarah does kind of epitomize because he could be something special. He could just not cope with English football. And, mm. and Norwich, I feel like they could, you know, have it all there to repeat or just be like, nah, West Brom from last year. That, I mean, that is the the problem with tr- even trying to predict anything that's happened like over the summer because you just, you don't know, you know, people can come to you with an excellent pe- pedigree and be dreadful or injured the whole time or they can come to you and... They come as third choice defender, and they end up being Christoph Zimmerman, and you just you you cannot predict that, which is the magic of it all. Um, but it's so difficult, and I, I I'm struggling with trying to make any grand predictions for Sarah because I don't want to put too much pressure on him suddenly being everybody's new favourite player, player of the season, the one that gets us promoted, and all of that. So. For me, for me, Pookie will win player of the season because he's going to go past 100 goals and Zoe, he's going to be only, smiling. Zoe, the only thing I'd say is Sarah's, Sarah's tailor-made to shoulder that responsibility. <laughs> quick move on, quick move on. I mean, Stephen Stibbons does make uh, the point. Big Andy <laughs> is the best signing this window, which is a nod to his new contract, of course. So um, so that is, that is good. Um, uh, Jeff, Jeff Mann goes in with the out there prediction of Jordan Hugill winning the golden boot. Yeah, I mean, no one expected Ben Brereton. I know he didn't win the Golden Boot, but Ben Brereton Diaz. Maybe Hugel needs to put, like, I don't know, Rodriguez on the end of his surname. Uh, Hugel Garcia. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Uh, Kieran uh, Shikari goes in with a bit of Kenny McLean love. He's going to be player of the season and our most important player. It's I mean, interesting asking Kenny about his deeper role um, after the Celtic game. He d- He did sort of hesitate quite considerably I, I don't consider you know he'd obviously play there in Saturday play wherever but I don't think uh, don't think he necessarily would choose it as his favourite position Kenny's uh, natural thing is to attack isn't it like I yeah. think that's his instinct there you go Chris Lacey comes in with the pookie breaks 100 goals finishing first and Sarah to score double figures I love the optimism that is what it is all about uh, Harvey Monk 
Burnley and Norwich to struggle, not enough going forward for us top six. That's it. A bit more <laughs> realism there from Harvey. Burnley will be very interesting. I, mean, I was going to ask about what the rest of the championship looks like, guys. I mean, A, have you even, do you know what the rest of the championships look like? We had to do an EFL roundtable story, uh, like several of us, as a preview of the season for, for the athletics. So we all ch- ch- chipped in. I was miles off it. I had to like properly, you know, read up and, and do a bit of research to, to sound semi-coherent. I don't know if I managed it, but that piece will be out on the athletics. So go give it a read. But um, anyway, yeah, I mean, you guys, I mean, what, what strikes you about the championship? I mean, well, it- my overriding, and I don't want to sound like, you know, arrogant fan coming down from the Premier League is I can't see who's going to really be that good. And to be honest, if I'm going to be optimistic about anything, it's that, there doesn't seem to be anybody really kind of jumping out off the page. I think to back up Dan's point from earlier, I see Middlesbrough being quite good because I think Wilder just has a handle of this division and has now got his feet under the table there. So I think they'll do well. Sort of expect Watford to be there in the same way that they were two years ago. Burnley could finish anywhere from first to about 17th, I think. And then you're kind of looking really, other than that, at the sort of dark horses maybe qpr could be one of those maybe russ could be one of those at swansea but i I don't think anybody's kind of bought anyone or you know had a transfer window where you go wow they're going to be strong and likewise i think the teams that got to the playoffs apart from maybe sheffield united you feel like they they kind of peaked so there's no one good quote me on that (laughs) apart from us obviously (laughs) we come mid-table apart from (laughs) that sounds oh sorry you go there Oh, I, was, I was just going to say, not really about sort of current squads, but it, we were having a conversation in this house earlier about um, the teams in the division this year. There are probably quite a lot of teams that would could stake a claim for being the biggest side in the championship. And whether that's on size of ground, recent history, very, very dated history, um, you know, there's, you know, various different clubs that could probably say we are the biggest club in the championship, us included. A, who are the biggest club in the championship? And B, is that sort of the fact that there are no, I guess, big dogs left in the championship at the moment, is that going to make for a more interesting league? Um, just sort of everyone starting out feeling like they've got a chance, I think. Really interesting. I mean, I, I think Sunderland are the biggest club yeah, in the championship, Sunderland. judging by the fan base and what they can be. But if they look like a, just a newly promoted team, then they will, then they will struggle. And to be honest, below them, I think it's Norwich because I think about the way the clubs run, size of the support, the recent history. I, I think there's more to Norwich than there is to Burnley. And God knows what Burnley are going to look like next year. They might be special. They might not be. And Watford or Watford, I mean, it's sort of, I don't see either of them. They're certainly not bigger than Norwich, but, you know, and they're, they're, they're comparative in a, in, is, in, you know, in comparison. Is there an argument for Blackburn Rovers based on the success in the 90s? Yeah, like, maybe. Maybe. Well, if there is for Preston and Blackpool for their success in the 1880s, I mean... Um, this would have been yeah. an easy question if Nottingham Forest were in the division, I think, mm. because... It would be quite easy to point to them, and then you look at Derby the other way. You might you might have said them, you know, <laughs> like. And I think that, that this question in a way is really encapsulates what the championship is. So I think coming down, um, and I'm, <laughs> this is going to properly stick the boot into you here, Steve. Um, like, 
if you come down with that arrogance that you're just going to come into this league and walk it, regardless yeah, yeah. of just how poor you think the standard of opposition is, or Norwich City were dreadful last season. There's no doubt about it. Don't and be City, overly harsh in your criticism, Stuart. They were, they. <laughs> no, they were dreadful, oh, right? So what, balanced. What, what they need to do is they need to improve this season, and they showed... Um, after the 1920 season that they were able to come down and then go back up and quite quickly get back to a place where they were able to compete and, and be consistently good in this division. They need to do that again. That There's no magic formula to that, really. You've just got to make sure you do things right. And as, as you alluded to earlier, Steve, there was a refresh. There's no been that much a refresh this time, although there is players that the club have had out on loan that they've now got back in-house that they think kind of feel like new signings anyway. Andrew Omadeli's back fit. There's there's various pieces of the jigsaw that go further than just the, the two players signed thing. But this division is the most... It's my favourite league in football and it is the most unpredictable league in football. It's what makes the championship fantastic. So actually Alan's prediction of like first or eighth... I totally get that. I think we'll come somewhere in the middle of that. But that's that the, the good thing is we're no looking at Norwich and thinking, oh, we might go down this season, you know? But not uh, now, no. Not not right <laughs> Give now. Give it two but... weeks. <laughs> we're gonna that's come 17th, remember? <laughs> that's the championship. And I think we've got to come into this and we've got to be prepared for a long, hard season, man. This is not gonna be easy. And I would be really surprised if we emulate the success of our last two times here and win the title. That would be amazing. Can we I just say, count, oh, counter, just counterpoint, uh, because, uh, just because Hodgie stuck the boot, you know, um, is that I, I think other teams would be perfectly entitled to go, well, there's two really dreadful sides that have come down, of which we are one, and would quite rightly say that Norwich City uh, are not going to be a threat. But uh, the, And the other thing I would say mm-hmm. is, we've finished below, like, 16-17, was it 16-17? I think we finished below some truly terrible teams that year. Uh, I think we came eighth, yeah, as uh, as Alan said. So I'm under no illusions that we are well capable, if we don't get it right, of, of coming below some of these, like, poor teams, in inverted commas. And I, I hope those inside the club know how hard it's going to be as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah, if you just go, flick through the championship, if I may, I mean, obviously Cardiff are, and Cardiff and Swansea, both Wales sides are, are, are very well supported. I just don't want to make sure I'm underselling anyone. Huddersfield are obviously the beaten playoff finalists last season, but have lost mm-hmm. Carlos Corran and, you know, basically all their good players. <laughs> so I'm not sure what they're going to be capable of. Hull are really going for it this year. I think their vice chairman wrote, uh, there was an interview in The Athletic with him. He feels anything outside the top six would be a failure. So they're properly going for it. And they've got a bit of Turkish money behind them. Uh, Luton had a remarkable season last year. And I guess they're trying to build on it. Will they build on it? I don't know. I mean, Norwich only beat them once out of three attempts two seasons ago. We will lose at Kenilworth Road. That's another prediction. (laughs) But it might be the last time at Kenilworth Road. So, you know, there's small mercies. Um, I mean, QPR with Michael Beale in charge is could be anything to be honest uh, Sheffield United I may have done them a disservice because they are a proper big club obviously not that I've ever feared doing them a disservice in the past because they tend to bottle you if they don't like you um, Stoke as well I mean I don't know what what, what Stoke are and, um, and West Brom and Steve West Brom and Steve Bruce who are you know probably comparable size to Norwich um, and you know it would be classic Steve Bruce to be incredibly unpopular and take them second <laughs> so um we'll see what magic he can weave but you know it's it's going to be um, competitive he says one of the dan predictions i thought was spot on was probably the one about swansea 
Um, it'd be good. I'd I'd love to see Russ get them kind of competing for playoffs and us an automatic promotion. Well, well out his way, that would be ideal. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to be. I think mid table seems a bit right for Swansea. They're one of the few teams I look at and kind of think mid table because the other the others you kind of. You, you would either say you expect them to be competing or maybe fighting relegation, but Swansea are one of the few I'd say they look kind of mid-table fodder. See, I, I think uh, Alex Neal in the playoff semi-finals and then Russ Martin in the playoff final. That's Sunderland. Oh, go on. Sorry, Steve. Well, I was also going to say it's fun to play the game. Which group of away fans will Michael... Uh, annoy the most. Um, I've gone for West Brom, so I want that on record, just just in case. It we happens. don't play West Brom until right at the end of the season, though. So all the more reason it's going to be a crunch game, and Michael. If it is a crunch game, yeah. Generally, generally, I seem to wind up people in Yorkshire, but I don't understand you why. Me, I mean, like, I was just really complimentary about Sheffield United a minute ago, wasn't I? Um, Especially the bottling part. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nice I just remember them throwing one at Angus Gunn. That's the only point. Um, you I mean, know, you're in Yorkshire right time. now, Zoe. Has Michael, has Michael oh, wound yeah. you up tonight? There's people banging on the door shouting something about let me at him or something yeah. like that, but I haven't answered it yet. Probably best. Um, <laughs> Joachim, I want to say Joachim, but it could be Joachim. Joachim, uh, if it's, uh, Yo- if it's Yo- Scandinavian. Stu knows this stuff. Joachim Broberg says uh, Blackburn. Uh, with their new coach, John Dahl Thomason, will have a good season. I mean, they drew 2-2 at Celtic. Hey, they kicked Celtic off the park. And the one thing that you would say about Tony, Blackburn are probably the the championship team I've commentated the most in the last three years. And they've always had that. Now, they have lost Joe Rothwell, which is a blow because he was a real dynamic figure in their midfield. But they've always been a team that have had good attacking threat and they've had spells where they've gone... And they've blown some teams away and played really well, but they've never been able to keep at it consistency, consistently. rather. Um, and with John Dow Thomason, what I think you're getting is you're getting someone that will add a bit of steel to the flair. And if they can get that mix right, I think they are one of the teams I, I think they could be fighting for automatic this year. Really interesting. Certainly capable of kicking Norwich off the park, I'm sure, if they want to. Um, and of course, Greg Broughton is their new head of, uh, or technical director, director of football, mm. um, former Norwich Academy. Uh, How many manager. sporting directors are we populating football with, by the way? Because uh, former Norwich chief scout is in charge of the sporting director at Hearts, Ben Kensel, CEO at Hibs. Uh, you've got uh, a Middlesbrough, um, name escapes me temporarily. Kieran Scott. Uh, Kieran Scott, that's the man. Um, it seems like all of our, and you mentioned him there, Broughton, um, Michael, so many Norwich City disciples are now going into these Stuart Webber-esque roles elsewhere in football. Do you think that's just the prevalence of the role, maybe being um, accepted more? Or do you think Norwich City scouting has actually been that good with that many high-caliber operators at the club? a great question i don't know i mean it could be that we're looking for those links as well i suppose but um because in fairness to greg broughton you know he's gone and uh, he was he did a really good job at luton before he came to norwich and then at bodo glimt as well at glimt as well so um but yeah i you know i i think norwich has such a good reputation for being rail one, <laughs> rail one that um that the, then when you've got that on your cv and the period is good and you end up at a different club and do quite well or you, you want to get a job there you probably are quite a desirable candidate so um even in a football search i guess but um 
let's uh i'm just going to run through a couple of these messages as well if i can um matthew armitage good luck to norwich but i believe that but i believe that don't underestimate us baggy boys there we go as yeah. west brom fam well we, we, we won't matthew rest yeah. assured we just really, we just really annoy you yeah <laughs> we just we just every every episode we're full of un- not underestimating people all the time toby mills uh, swansea seems to be a fan favorite dark horse same as west prom well there we go see west prom toby's picture is brilliant by the way that is absolutely <laughs> Grant handley with the ballon d'or sorry i know that people on the pod can't see it but uh, it's, it's beautiful uh, you know that it's will the be smile. on somewhere it's the smile that grant hanley has in his face there like, that looks like a contortion he's a beautiful <laughs> man he has a magnificent beard kieran uh, shikari again but um cardiff have bought an entire new team so good time to play them in, in game one of course managed by steve morrison we should flag that up so that's all exciting uh jonathan blathwaite hello jonathan hope you're well friend of the pod um West Brom have made some good signings. Bruce gets them playing. They will be up there at the end of the season. Also worth reading uh, Jonathan's piece on Gabriel Sara and his breakdown of, of how he plays, because that was very good too. That's out there on the uh, interweb somewhere. Um, and was there another one I was going to flag up? I think there was. It was this one. Oh, it's Kieran again, just saying they've added well at Luton, which in my head is solely... Carlton Morris up front. <laughs> so oh, yeah. good old Carlton at Luton. Oh, what a guy. Um, and they've got, Jer- have they still got Jerome Snoddy and Lansbury there as well? It's like an ex, not a big ex Norwich contingent. There, That's I true. Think. I wonder if a few of them left. But yeah, um, I don't, don't know. Sorry. Talking um, of that FA Youth Cup winning team, did you see over the summer Cam McGeehan married someone from Made in Chelsea? He did. Wow. I hadn't, hadn't realised that that was his. Uh, current relationship status he's very yeah. famous then is he i mean among certain people probably on instagram he probably is, <laughs> is that any of us going to be on it, it? Oh, no definitely not but is he going to be on the program now i don't think be, she's on anymore but she was one of the sort of original people that a lot of people know of i think so uh, yeah I, I think we've moved away from our any possible area of expertise we may have had on this podcast she, i mean i'm coming straight stuff. into my area of expertise here she's oh, moved, sorry, she's moved to holland to or the netherlands to uh to be with him <laughs> it is uh i think that's where he's playing the netherlands he is i think he's still playing through stand <laughs> or maybe he might have moved i'm not sure but um there we go morris jerome and lansbury are all still listed and so snoddy and uh, snoddy wow fair play steve they're all there they wow. could they could all line up against us at Kenworth Road when we lose 3-1. And none of the goals are celebrated because they're all scored by Alex. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> is definitely celebrating. Um, well, I think um, I, I think we've covered off the championship. I think... I, oh, oh, also... oh, oh, we've got to, We can't do an hour and 25 minutes and not at least predict where we think Norwich City are going to finish and who's going to be the player of the season. I'm sorry, Michael. Oh. That is what the people... I don't even care if the people want it. I think we do. <laughs> That's what Steve wants. We can't, do a, we can't do a pre-season pod and not have some kind okay. of prediction. So, I don't know who wants to go first. Zoe's got a hand up. Because uh, it's easy. We'll finish first. Pookie will be player of the season. Oh, there you go. It's as easy as that, Michael. It really is as easy as that. Um, and England will win the World Cup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. God. Let's not get started on that, please. Right. Fourth, fourth and Gabriel Sara. Um, I was also going to say fourth, mainly because I said fourth two years ago. And 
Did all right then. And I'm going to go Todd. I'm going to say Todd Cantwell is going to be player of the season. See, two years ago, I remember going Norwich will win it and I couldn't, I couldn't see anything else and people telling me that was really bold, but I just genuinely could not see anything else. It was just like that team is going to win the division again. What do you see in your orb tonight, Michael? I think they might finish fifth. Um, and player of the season. Did you call uh, that two years ago? And if so, can you remember what no. you said? No, I would, I would have just gone, I don't like that one. Um, but, you know, I'm going to humor you all. I, Grant, Grant Hanley is, is probably a, a nice shout. I, I can see it being someone at the back end of the pitch, which yeah. could potentially be a damning indictment of the attacking play. But I don't want to say that. I don't know, because I might be wrong. I'm generally always wrong. Apart we all time, might I be wrong. They'd go up. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, well, I think that only leaves us then with uh, Kenny Other Business. Um, do uh, but we've been going so long, I can't possibly think of anything we haven't spoken about or would still want to. Any, um, anyone got any other business? Stuart Webber not getting up Everest that's the only other thing that happened this summer that I can remember. Oh, he's not, he's not scheduled to get up there yet. I thought he was it, or was it Kilimanjaro? It was, um, no, um, he got up uh, Cotopaxi in Ecuador, but then there was a second climb which I can't remember the name of, which was called off due to the weather. Um, which I can imagine was incredibly disappointing. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he's still on track for his Everest climb, which will will be in the next year or two, I think. I don't know if it'll be next summer. I think he's due at Mont Blanc at some point, which I just associate with the Tour de France. Am I going with him? You have to report for the Athletic. All expenses paid. Imagine that would be unlikely. Could be a Uh, shirt. I've I've got any other business grenade if he's want it. Yes. Yes. Right, I've I've told you he's my favourite Norwich City player and part of body. Do any of you have a favourite Norwich City player and part of body? Oh, wow. I, oh, I think Zoe's going to say mine. Yeah, <laughs> go on. Grant Hanley, Grant Hanley's fifty p head. Oh no, no, that's not what I was going to say. Grant oh, Holt's moustache. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> amazing. Uh, you you've got to have one now, Michael. Um. I think, oh, okay. Um, I have got to have one, so I'm going to have to think about it. It's very It's not important. a prediction, Michael. We won't hold you to it. Why, why do um, you think of that? I can tell you, my nieces as well, as Todd Cantwell's hairband. Sophia loves him because of no, that's Technically lovely. not a body part, but uh, we'll, we'll let her off as she's young. Two. Okay, I mean, she's five, Steve. Come on. <laughs> she's going to um, make points like that on this podcast. She needs to do it with the, you know, she needs to be informed opinions, I'm afraid. <laughs> Uh, for me, it was well, two, uh, Phil Morine's face and uh, Wes Houlihan's left foot. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So that's probably, yeah. that's probably where we're going. A connoisseur's out. choice with that last one. That's like picking a good wine. Beautiful. Um, dare I, well, Stephen Stibbons has got one. Here he goes. Uh, let's get that up. Um is that, is that a bit harsh let's not be harsh on Sarge we can't I, we couldn't go through a whole pre-season preview pub without getting a dig in at Sarge in some way could we? <laughs> well we've already been told he's going to be on loan to Rotherham by the end of the season I know right <laughs> Dan, that's the sort of thing Dan says when he's not live on the pod yeah um, it's the sort of thing oh. he says all the time <laughs> <laughs> good job we only have him on every fortnight um, Jay Crick Kyle Lafferty's long torso not a euphemism. euphemism? Well, I... <laughs> How did we all have the same thought? 
and uh, and Jonathan and El's hips. He's a big fan favorite now. Singing his song, singing his song a lot at Easter Road on Sunday. There was. I think we've got to that point where the pod needs putting out of its misery. So I think if we're all done, no more questions, and we're all happy, that will be Kenny other business, which is our homage to to Wits End. For those who know, no, it is no longer with us unless there's a massive uproar. Um, you can still email the pod, though, if you want. If you're listening to this um, at not live, which is highly likely, uh, and you can't watch the pod, but you want to contact us, then email, email us with the address twitterkers at iCloud.com. That's Twitter, K-E-R-S, twitterkers at iCloud.com. And uh, we'll read out your emails. It can be on anything you want. It's your window, your window of opportunity into the podcast. So uh, you're all Twitterkers to us. Just um, get in touch. Let us know. Is, is that how it was, though? You just Twitterker for yes. the start? Like yes. That, that is. So. That Congratulations, is. Twitterkers. Twi- you've, you've been consumed by the um, original podcast, much like the women's team at Norwich City, <laughs> now a part of the full podcast family. Consumed. Um Good luck to the women when they start their season. I don't know when that is. I will do more on that score when we next we go live. Um, that is it for uh, the podcast. We're back underway for another season of On the Ball. Yay! Uh, the Norwich City yeah. podcast that would feel uncomfortable without the two hours of travelling to get to another club. Uh, if you're yet to do so, uh, make sure you subscribe via your podcast player of choice. The podcast is available free for everyone on your usual player. Uh, and uh, we are now streaming the recording of the podcast live. We have been for a while in video form on my social media channels. So have a search and you will find them uh, on whichever social media platform you choose and prefer. Ratings and reviews wherever prompted are always hugely appreciated. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or topic proposals, you can send me a direct message on Twitter at Michael J. Bailey or Twitterkers at iCloud.com. Uh, as for this evening, this first evening of the season, our big preview, a big thank you to our guests this evening. Stu, thank you so much. Lovely to see you again. At me. Lovely to see you in person at the weekend as well. Um, long overdue, and to any of the other people that might be watching or listening that I had the pleasure of meeting at the weekend, it was it was brilliant to have so many Canaries north of the border. And uh, even though the football didn't go to plan, I hope it happens again soon. It was a great shindig. Absolutely right, Zoe. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's uh, it's almost made me feel like I'm ready for football again. Job done. Almost. Job done. I'll take almost. <laughs> That's a better position than when we started. So that is definitely progress. Uh, we'll see you again very soon, I hope. Um, and Steve, thank you so much, as always. Stellar work on the comments. It's a brave new thank world. You. Yeah, it is. I think I managed to get about three up in an hour and a half. So what what a ratio. What a ratio. <laughs> keep, it, keep it going for the rest of the I don't know if I've got the energy to do that for the rest of the season at that rate, but I will try for you. It's only pre-season, Steve. The, the real stuff start soon um that's brilliant uh, we will be back we will not be back next week to reiterate i am on holiday sorry i'm off <laughs> one game will be enough i'm out of here so we will come back uh with the next podcast after the wigan game uh, when we can assess norwich fairly home and away i think we can all agree that is a perfectly um pleasant and proper way to go about things so we'll be back in a fortnight hence why we've gone on so long tonight because you've got two weeks to listen to it and this might be quite amusing to listen to after the uh, cardiff game you never know um so yeah 
uh, we will be back after the Wigan game for a fresh bout of Canaries capers as we get stuck into fully our fourth season of the On The Ball Norwich City podcast. Until then, never mind the danger.